Hello again, this is Daniel J. Hogan, and welcome to the Magic of Airy podcast, brought to you by magicofairy.com. In our last episode, Zeroth fought Arbel with a coat rack, and Uncle Shameless tangled with Delu, the raven spy. Steve tried to help Uncle Shameless and was nearly shot by Arbel, but Zeroth hurled a bag of foul-smelling signal stones at the morning dove, giving our heroes a chance to escape. Zeroth hid Steve, Uncle Shameless, and Era in his magical pack until everything was safe. The companions returned to recover Cam's body, but found that both Delu and Arbol were missing, as was Uled's caper cape. The bounty hunter Zeroth, obeying Cam's dying wish that he protect Steve, has now joined our heroes on their quest. And now, the next fantastic episode of The Magic of Eri. Magic of Air, the podcast, written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan, based on the novel The Magic of Air by Daniel J. Hogan. To learn more about the novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Harry is spelled E-Y-R-I. Episode number 17, Fishy Business. Where are you headed? Zeroth asked. Ah! Ah, the swamp. We should get moving then. But first, you two need some armor, the hunter said as he motioned to Uncle Shameless and Steve to come closer. Don't need any. I got my wine, Uncle Shameless explained after a sip of his elder cherry wine. It's what makes me strong. That wine may give you super strength, but it doesn't protect you at all. You were nearly cut to pieces by a skinny raven with a knife, said Zeroth. The birdman looked through his pack inventory and studied the section labeled armor. Finding what he was looking for, Zeroth replaced the book and reached into his pack. He effortlessly pulled out a large metal breastplate and handed it to Uncle Shameless. Era helped Uncle Shameless put it on over his ripped flannel shirt as Zeroth pulled out armored elbow pads, forearm guards, and boots. Don't worry, I didn't forget about you, Zeroth said to Steve as he handed the boy a chainmail vest. Era helped Steve lift the heavy vest over his head. It's too big! Steve complained as a large vest reached past his knees and looked more like a dress than a piece of armor. It's magical. So is your uncle's. All you have to do is imagine it fitting you correctly, and it'll shrink. But, but... Just try. Haven't you ever used your imagination before? Steve tried to think of a time he had to imagine anything like this, but he could not. No problems over here. Everyone looked over at Uncle Shameless and saw his armor fitting him perfectly. Very good. Thank you. Uncle Shameless said as he treated himself to a sip of wine. Zero turned back to Steve. Now, you try. Steve closed his eyes and tried to picture himself in his mind's eye. He could not. All he saw were the insides of his eyelids. Zeroth patted Steve on the head. Eh, don't worry, kid. You'll figure it out. Eventually. Hopefully. Steve wasn't so sure. There was a loud thunk, causing everyone to turn around. Uncle Shameless was lying on the ground. One of his elbow protectors had grown to the size of a large rock, which made it very difficult to keep his balance. Uh, a little help? more swords left, what are you going to use for a weapon? A shoe tree? 
That's not funny. I wasn't joking. Steve pointed to Zero's coat rack. Oh, right. Don't worry, the swamp will provide us with weapons. Steve did not know what Zeroth was talking about, but he had a feeling it would be something gross. He figured anything that lived in a swamp had to be. The companions headed out of the clearing and made their way to the swamp in the center of the Forbidden Forest. Steve tried not to trip on the long chainmail vest that nearly reached his feet. The boy would try to imagine the armor fitting him as Zeroth had instructed, but he could not conjure up the mental image. Steve was getting tired. He was not used to so much walking. Can't we get horses from somewhere? I'm tired of all this walking. Era and Zeroth looked at each other, then at Steve. A what? What is a horse? Um, well, a horse is, well, a horse. The boy explained as he tried to think of the best way to describe the animal. It's a large animal that you can ride? It has four legs? Steve described. Era and Zeroth shook their heads. They have big swishy tails and long faces? You ride on their backs? Zeroth and Era shook their heads once again. You don't have horses here? That reminds me of a joke. Uncle Shameless bellowed. No, please. Uncle Shameless ignored his nephew. So this horse got elected to Congress, right? But he wasn't very popular with his the people what voted him in. Uncle Shameless waited for someone to ask him why. After several moments of silence, he looked at Era. Ask me why. Oh. Why? Because he always voted nay. Ha! Uncle Shameless rolled on the ground with laughter. Steve covered his face in embarrassment. I do not understand. What is a Congress? A place for horses? Zeroth asked, also confused by the horribly bad joke. Well, parts of horses anyway. As the companions came closer to the outskirts of the swamp, the ground became squishy and wet. Steve's black canvas high tops quickly became soaked in the muddy ground. Gross! Steve decided to take his mind off his less-than-pleasant surroundings by making small talk. So, how does that pack of yours work, anyway? Steve asked. Zeroth, who was leading the way to Uth, the last human village, Shrugged and answered in a curt tone. It works because I believe it works. Not unlike your armor. Steve wondered what exactly Zeroth meant by that remark. They marched on through the thick underbrush until they came to a stagnant marshland that was littered with small pools of murky water and tall grasses. Ugh! Ew! Steve cried as he skipped along the soggy ground trying to avoid the dark pools of water. What kind of weapon are we going to find in a swamp? Some sort of blood-sucking slimy creature? Steve asked as he noticed small creatures swimming in the dark pools of water near him. Swordfish. Steve stopped in his tracks. Swordfish? You have to be joking. Steve said as he tried to think about using a live fish for a weapon. He didn't like the idea of having to hit someone with a big, smelly fish and couldn't see how it'd be that helpful, unless his foe had a fish allergy, or happened to be a giant seal. Zero kneeled next to one of the larger pools of murky water. Come here, he said to Steve. 
Zeroth pointed a clawed finger at one of the dark shapes darting around in the water. That's a swordfish. They're pretty common all around parts of Aerie. So what do you do with it? Throw it at the bad guys and hope they're allergic to fish? You'll see. But first, we have to catch some. If they're so common, how come none of them hawks and swans warriors were using them? Because they're difficult to catch. You, pelican, catch us some. My name is Era, and you could ask nicely. (sighs) Fine. Era, catch us some fish. That wasn't what I meant. (sighs) Era, would you please catch us some fish? Without saying anything, Era slid off her bulging backpack, headed towards the pool, and jumped in. Steve watched as she chased a school of the squatty, cylindrical swordfish around in the shadowy water. Era exploded out of the pool in a shower of murky water moments later. She landed next to her companions and shook the excess water off herself. She then hunched over slightly and opened her beak, now filled to the brim with water. Steve peered in the Era's open beak and watched the odd-looking fish dart around as best they could in their organic prison. The swordfish's black-blue bodies were around six inches long and came to an end with a fan-triangular tail. Their eyes were large discs on either side of the head and were parallel with their mouths. Zeroth nodded the Era's mouth. Go ahead. Grab one. How does it... How does it live outside of water? Don't worry about it. Once they're out of the water, they go into a sleep-like state. They stay that way until they get into water again, and then off they go. So they don't get hurt out of water? Zeroth shook his head. Steve decided that sounded all right to him, and he reached into Era's beak and tried to grab one of the swordfish. He felt one of their scaly bodies brush against his hand and quickly zip away. They're too fast! Try wiggling your fingers. Why can't she just dump them onto the ground? Just keep wiggling your fingers. Steve grumbled under his breath and did as he was told. I don't see how wiggling my fingers is going to... Ouch! Steve screamed as a pair of swordfish clamped onto his hand. The boy jerked his hand out of Era's mouth, bringing the two swordfish with it. Just as Zeroth said, once out of the water, the swordfish froze and stopped moving. Zeroth easily pulled the frozen creatures off the boy's fingers. Uncle Shameless and Zeroth started laughing, much to the annoyance of the young boy. (laughs) Era walked over to the pool and released the rest of the swordfish from her beak. You knew they would bite my fingers, didn't you? Of course! Fish think wiggling fingers are worms. Especially around here, since the worms look like human fingers. You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan. Copies of the original novel can be purchased through magicofairy.com and amazon.com. You can also download a PDF of the entire novel for only $3.75. Visit magicofairy.com for more details. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. What? Steve said after Zeroth grabbed one of the swordfish, half expecting the creature to shoot lightning from its mouth. This. Zeroth squeezed the swordfish's midsection. The creature's square-shaped mouth split open, <laughs> releasing a five-foot-long pointed blade. 
Man, talk about being sharp-tongued, huh? That's its tongue? As the hunter held the swordfish, Steve realized now that with its mouth open, the fish's body resembled the hilt of a sword, forming the familiar T-shape. Its stiff, deadly tongue looked exactly like the blade of a sword, and shined like metal. Let me get this straight. These tiny fish all have a really long sword-like tongue inside them? Zeroth nodded, swinging the swordfish around to get accustomed to its weight. But... how? Steve asked as he studied the swordfish's improbable tongue. Uncle Shameless chimed in with a theory of his own. Maybe it's like one of them party favors. You know, the kind that all still rolled up until you blow into them? Steve flicked a finger against a shining blade, and sure enough, it felt like real metal. He did not see how that would be possible, considering that the tongue was more than three times the size of the swordfish's body. What happens when you are done with it? Without a word, Zeroth squeezed the swordfish's cylindrical body once more. And the swordfish's tongue was sucked back into the small body. Its mouth slammed shut, and its body no longer formed a T. Okay, but how sharp is it? Zeroth ran towards a low-hanging tree branch and squeezed his swordfish. The creature's tongue shot out. And the hunter slashed the snarled tree branch. The branch wasn't cut. You missed! Zeroth lightly tapped the branch. There was a low groan, which quickly grew to a very loud groan as the branch fell to the ground, cut cleanly in two. I'd say that's pretty sharp. Steve held one of the swordfish in his hand. It was lighter than he had expected, and its body felt like metal. He could not believe he was standing in a swamp, wearing an oversized chainmail vest, and holding this bizarre fish to use as a weapon. It seemed like only yesterday, his parents had dropped him off at Uncle Shameless's farm instead of computer camp. The boy tried again to imagine his chainmail vest shrinking to fit him as Zeroth had instructed. Steve had never had to use his imagination in school, and was unaccustomed to imagining things. He closed his eyes and thought, trying to visualize himself in the vest, but all he could think about was a science lesson from last fall. Steve remembered the lesson plain as day. It was on thermal expansion. The class learned that when an object is exposed to heat, it expands. And likewise, when it is exposed to cold, the object will contract. Cold makes it 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 contract. The teacher, Mr. Ant Ader, demonstrated this by showing the class an ice cube. The ice cube was frozen and was contracted into its current shape. He then exposed the ice cube to heat, and it started melting and expanding. Steve wondered if he exposed the chainmail to extreme cold, if it would contract and fit him better. He started thinking about ice fishing with his father on Lake St. Clair near Beacon Pines, and how extremely cold it had been. He thought of himself wearing the chainmail in that situation. Now the cold might have made it shrink.
Over here, Zeroth called, who was standing several yards away, with his own swordfish at the ready. Steve's thoughts disappeared as he walked over to his new companion. Zeroth was going to teach Steve how to use his new weapon, but the boy was not really looking forward to it. He never had much success with any kind of physical activity. Steve thought he was finally getting used to the baggy chainmail, as he was having an easier time walking around in the oversized armor. What he failed to realize was that his armor had shrunk slightly. Cold Mexican You are listening to the Magic of Airy podcast, a free audiobook podcast by Daniel J. Hogan, available at magicofairy.com and through the iTunes Music Store. What do you mean you don't know how to hold a sword? I'm from the suburbs. The only thing I know how to hold is a remote control. From behind the boy, Uncle Shameless nodded. He remembered the dreadful afternoon he had asked Steve to chop firewood. Uncle Shameless went to go check on his nephew later in the day and found that he had not chopped a single piece, but had managed to break one in half. Steve had been hitting the wood with the wrong side of the axe blade. Zeroth stood next to Steve and showed the boy what to do. Hold it in your hand like this. No, point the mouth away from you. Now, squeeze the middle. Steve squeezed the midsection of the hilt-shaped fish tenderly. It was an odd feeling, like squeezing a canvas bag filled with coins. His swordfish barely opened its jaws and its tongue stuck out only a couple of inches. Zero shook his head, reached over, and squeezed Steve's hand. The swordfish's deadly tongue shot out. You won't hurt it, so squeeze it like you mean it. Steve squeezed the swordfish again, retracting its deadly tongue. Excellent. Now, it's time to learn to fight. Ready? Wait! Begged Steve, fumbling with his swordfish. Begin! Zeroth yelled as they squeezed their swordfish at the same time. (sighs) Steve frantically swung his swordfish at Zeroth, who dodged the wild blows easily since they came nowhere near him. Zeroth countered with a quick strike to Steve's swordfish, knocking it to the ground. The impact caused the swordfish to attract its tongue. Zeroth walked up to Steve and placed a clawed hand on the discouraged boy's shoulder. Part of being a good swordsman is believing in yourself. Remember that. Zeroth looked over at Era and Uncle Shameless. You two had better build a fire. We're gonna be here a while. Good idea. Now, where's your gas can? This concludes today's episode of The Magic of Airy. Make sure to join us again next time. Will Steve ever learn how to fight? What troubles await our heroes in Uth, the last human village? Will Uncle Shameless build a fire without setting himself on fire? Find out in the next exciting episode of The Magic of Airy. The copyright date of this episode was December 20th, 2009. Help support this free podcast by using the PayPal donate button on the website. The Magic of Airy, the podcast. Written and produced by Daniel J. Hogan. This podcast was produced in GarageBand and Audacity on a Mac. Some sound effects and music are provided by freesound.org. Other sound effects and music provided by GarageBand. For more information or to buy a copy of the original novel, please visit magicofairy.com or danieljhogan.com. And remember, Airy is spelled E-Y-R-I. And as always, thanks for listening.